Come on, give, give Jesus praise this morning. God, you're so worthy. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, turn, give somebody a high five as they're seated. And ask them, have you put up your Christmas tree yet? Come on, ask them, have you put up your Christmas tree? Man, lots of yeses in the room today. Lots of yeses in the room today. All right. Last, last night, my wife was actually like, you know what? I think we should put up the tree tonight. And I almost gave in, but I said, no. We're going to wait and be thankful, okay? Man, I, yeah, I'm getting some booze here. Mostly, I don't know how you feel about that, but... And we're so excited to be here with you all today. It's an exciting day to be here. I want to tell you, I'm so thankful for our church. Pastor Brandon, our lead pastor right now, he's actually doing a tour of all of our campuses. So come on, can you say what's up to Mosley, everybody? Hey, Mosley! So exciting. We have four locations, and he's able to hit them all today. So thankful to be here with you all. Listen, I also want to tell you, we're such a sweet time in the season of our church. Mosley, I know, is just doing some incredible things over there, what God is doing. You had your first growth track. It was awesome. And I know that God is just getting ready to do so much more. I know here in Midlothian, our lobby is so full. Come on, say what's up to lobby people. Hey, hey. And I know parking's been a little different, all right, and we're building things around here, and things are getting shifted around just a bit, and coffee's in different places, and kids' rooms get moved around, and parking people here this morning trying to figure out the best flow. We have some incredible teams at the chapel. How many believe that? Come on, can we thank all of our teams right now? In the kids' rooms, you might be able to hear us. We're thankful for you and all God's doing in the life of our church. Man, thank you for being here today. As you heard, we're actually finishing up our series, You Asked For It, and this has been a great, great series. I'm week number five of it, and um, this, the great thing about this series is, is if you like it, that's awesome because you actually asked for it, okay? And so there's an Easter survey that we had, and you put a bunch of topics on that survey. We've talked about things like, how do you hear the voice of God? How, how do you manage stress or anxiety? Last week, Pastor Brandon had an incredible message where we talked about generosity and leaving a legacy. And so today, we are going to close out the series um, with something that I think is so important. And like I said, if you love the series, great. You ask for it. If you don't, you ask for it, okay? And this is a topic that I think is so important and one that was all over our card, and that is we're going to talk about what about spiritual warfare. We're just trying to prepare you for when you go to your houses on Thanksgiving this week, right? See all your family. We're just going to get you ready for anything that's about to come your way. So we're excited to do this. But we're going to kick it off today for you all, and I'm really excited to jump in. We're going to, we're going to look at a lot of scripture today, all right? We're going to do it in a timely manner. We're going to understand that there, in the Bible, there's this theme of spiritual warfare, right? And that for us, right, who love the Lord and are a part of the kingdom of God, but there is a battle that is waging in the world. How many know this with the kingdom of darkness, okay? So we're going to hit a bunch of scriptures. We're going to talk about a bunch of different things. So I'd love to pray for us, but I hope you guys are ready to buckle up. You ready to buckle up? going to hit some scripture. Take out your notes. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do this thing, and we're going to look into God's Word, but let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for who you are. You're always exposing truth to us, God. You're giving us your Word. It's a lamp to our feet, a light into our path. God, we don't want to make one more step today without you. So Holy Spirit, we invite you into the conversation. We invite you into every single passage, every single room in this building, all on this property, in Mosley, all of our campus. God, we invite you into all that we do. We trust you, God, with your word. We ask this in the strong name of Jesus, and everyone says, amen, amen, and amen. Well, listen, I want to talk to you about a few different scriptures, and I thought it would be great to talk about spiritual warfare and kick it off with Paul. He's actually talking in the book of Ephesians, and this is what he says to his writers at the end of the chapter, or at the end of the book, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
Pretty much he's saying to us Christians, you better armor up. You better gear up and get yourself ready because spiritual warfare is a real thing. And he goes on and he says this, right? He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, right? So it's not against your neighbor. It's not what's happening in your marriage. It's not against the government, okay? But against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's so important for us to recognize this and grab a hold of this today. Therefore, it says this, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, it says this, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel. So he's talking about the gospel, the the belt of truth, which holds everything together, right? The righteousness right here that, that guards our heart guards our emotions, and then he says the gospel that's fitted with the readiness that gives us peace. It's understanding that we've been saved by grace through faith, and this is a gift from God. It actually will flood us with peace. He's given us all these pieces, and he goes on to say, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And pretty much what this is saying is that there's going to be a time, right, where the enemy's going to come and he's going to blindside us and he's going to hit us with things that we really don't realize are coming. So it's saying, take the shield of faith. And I want you to hear this today. The reason why I'm starting off strong with this passage is because a lot of Christians have not really been taught this. And maybe this is something that can be spooky or mystical, right? And a lot of times we'll say, come on, talk to me about God's love and God's grace, and let's go home and eat some roast beef, right? But the truth is, there's going to be a day of evil that's going to come your way. Some of you are like, man, I'm glad I came to church today, right? Like, say something positive to me. Listen, I'm positive there's going to be a day where evil is going to come your way. And so Paul is telling us, listen, not if, not when, he says, armor up. And he continues on this passage. And then he says this, he says, take the helmet of salvation. And so all of these weapons, all this armor we've talked about, right, was defensive. Here's the one offensive weapon we have. And he says, and take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so Paul is pretty much saying, listen, Christians, you got to be prepared. You got to get ready. You got to arm yourself with all the things that God has given you. And so the topic of spiritual warfare is all throughout scripture, but I want to show you another scripture that I think is going to really help us build this understanding of spiritual warfare. And it's found in 2 Corinthians. And Paul actually in 2 Corinthians really ramps it up and he introduces another term that I think is so important. In fact, Jesus talks about the same term. Paul calls it a stronghold. Jesus in Luke chapter 11 actually calls it a strong man. But here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does, right? So not with bombs or guns or ammunition, right? The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And so it's important for us to know that spiritual warfare is centered around this word strongholds. And the question is this, are you engaging with the fight? Today, I want to ask that question, are you fighting? Because Paul is assuming that his readers, it's not if or when or once in a while. The question is, is are you engaging in the battle? And today we have to know that he wants, God wants to prepare us. And this word stronghold, I think, is an important one for us to break down before we move forward. Because in fact, when you look at the original languages, 
This is the only time this Greek word is actually used in the New Testament. And I want to give you a little background because I think we have the original, we have manuscripts that really date back so far. And, and I know things can get lost in translation in English, but this word in particular actually describes someone who is chained, but the chain isn't strong enough to hold them down. They just think that it is. So if you ever seen like an elephant in a zoo, they train the elephants initially in zoos, right? These big animals with these chains around their feet. And then they can't actually break out of these chains at all. But once they get used to those chains and the elephants have it in their mind that they can't make a move, they actually put these ropes around the elephants that if they wanted to easily, they could just snap it. This is what a stronghold is in our life. It is something that we think has power over us, but really does not have power over us. That is what that word means. So this is an area of our life that actually doesn't have as much power as we think it does, but sometimes we're convinced that it does. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a habit or it's a wound or something generational that we've been passed down. And Paul is talking about this here. And then in the next verse, Paul describes what we do with these strongholds. Here's what he says. He says, we demolish these arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Come on, how many know how powerful that is for us? That we have the ability to demolish these lies, these arguments that we find ourselves in. So it's not true. The enemy just convinced us that it's true. It's an argument. It's a pretension. In other words, it's a place where the devil's pretending to actually have power over your life, where he doesn't have it at all. So we demolish these arguments, Paul says, and these lies set themselves up against what God says about you. And listen, I want us to know this today. The truth is that these things that happen in our life that we believe over ourselves, God has never actually spoken over you. I want you to hear that this morning. If there's anything you take away, it's important for us to know you are not what your past says about you. You are not what people have said about you. You are what God has said about you. Amen. How many believe that today? And so today, what we do is, is we replace these lies with truth. And I think it's important for us to recognize the tactics that the enemy has. And it's important for us to know this is why, listen, as a church, we do all the things that we do. Listen, we, we, Women's Night was incredible. Motion conference, motion midweek, all the things that we do as a church, as small groups, there's a freedom conference that's coming up. I want you to know all these things we do, we're not doing to grow the church. We're doing it so you can get the knowledge and understanding in your thinking about what God actually says to you. And so today we want to equip you with the truth of God's word. So I want to define strongholds. Now, I want to give you two definitions. Here's the first one. That is, a stronghold is a prisoner locked by deception, living life by something that is not true. This is what a stronghold did, believing something about yourself that is not true. In fact, I'll tell you a funny story about me. There was this time where um, I, I got my age mixed up. Anybody in the room ever get your age mixed up? Maybe it's just me. Okay. I'm getting to that age. And a few years ago, um, I thought I was turning 36, but I wasn't. And I was in a conversation with um, my, my wife and a few friends. And somebody asked, when's your birthday? I was like, it's in May. I'm turning 36, you know? And my wife looks at me. And she's like, you're not turning 36. I was like, I know how old I am. I'm turning 36. She's like, do the math. <laughs> it took me a little while, but I did the math. And I realized, oh my gosh, I gained a whole year back to my life. Come on, I'm not going to be 36. And I want you to know, but this is what it looks like for us in church. When we come and we receive God's word, sometimes there's a truth that gets unlocked inside of us and we begin to walk in freedom that we never thought we had. And this is so important for us to know. Here's another definition of stronghold. A stronghold is anything that exalts itself in our minds, pretending to be bigger, listen to this, or more powerful than our God. Anything that seems so overwhelming and overcoming, that's a stronghold in your thinking. 
that you think can outpower the Lord. This is a stronghold and probably the greatest application for spiritual warfare. So spiritual warfare, let me tell you what it's not, right? It's not like in the movies, you see that person sitting in a chair with their head spinning around and you got the priest in the robe with the cross is like the power of Christ compels you, right? That's not what spiritual warfare is. Listen, spiritual warfare is when you walk in a church and you got this heaviness on you and you begin to lift your hands in worship and praise God and he begins to immediately lift that heaviness from your life. Amen? And listen, I know I'm fired up today. Let me slow down and just tell you. This week, studying spiritual warfare was not the easiest thing to do. And I'll tell you, exposing the lies of the enemies is something that is not always easy to do. But how many know that we have power and victory in Jesus' name? Amen? And so today, I mean, I even think about it in Psalms 149 that actually says, let the high praise of God be on your mouth. It's like a double-edged sword in your hand. When you begin to praise God and you speak the truth of who God is over your life, principalities and powers begin to break over you and your family. Come on, can we give God praise just for three seconds right now? Jesus, we give you praise, God. And I think it's huge for us to recognize and know this truth that sometimes What's happening in our life is more of an illusion and something that the enemy is doing to masquerade, to turn our life into something that it was never intended to be. In fact, I love watching documentaries, and I came across one. Maybe many of you in the room might remember this. In 2002, there was a story that hit America about a 14-year-old girl named Elizabeth Smart. And she was actually taken away from her house. Her sister was acting like she was sleeping, but saw the whole thing. She was abducted from her home. And this man and this woman brought her into the wilderness in Utah. And for nine months, people were looking all over the place for Elizabeth. And finally, the, the ones who took her away kind of got bold enough and strong enough. And, and they, they decided, you know what, we're going to bring Elizabeth out into public. And so they started to bring her out in public, put a wig on her, put a different like, outfit on her, and kind of covered it up in some way she was disguised. And, and in the documentary, it actually says that there was, you know, there was this moment where she was like within feet of a police officer, there's posters everywhere. People were always asking about it. And all she needed to do was just say her name was Elizabeth Smart and she would completely be free. But her captor had said to her, listen, if you say anything, you're going to lose your life. And later on, it says that a police officer got curious, saw this girl, thought it could have been her. And then in that minute, he rescued her and helped save her. And now that couple's in prison for the rest of their life. And Elizabeth Smart has gotten married. And she's working with advocates of people who have been kidnapped. And I know this could be a heavy analogy for us. But what this is a picture of is that you are maybe just one step away from freedom in your life. Like, and I want you to hear that today. You may be in this room feeling like you're bound by something, but really, you are just one step away from freedom, but you've bought into the lie, into the illusion that the enemy says you're never going to be able to break this thing off your foot. And I want you to hear today, we're going to expose those lies. In fact, Jesus even says this in the book of John, when the enemy lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And I want to expose the enemy for who he is because he wants to infiltrate our thinking and say things to us that are not real, that are not true, that try to overcome us and bind us. In fact, I wrote it down like this. When we believe a lie, here's what we do. We empower the liar. So the more that we believe it, the more that we let it be a part of our lives, the more that we say we can never climb out of this, this is never going to change in my life, it empowers the liar to lie even more to us. And again, this is what spiritual warfare is, it's exposing lies and it's replacing it with truth. And this is why I love the work of the local church, because I really believe this is why we exist. That when you come here, you get to hear the word of God, you get to hear theologically sound messages that will equip you and prepare you to combat the enemy. 
Because that's what Paul is saying that we're supposed to be doing. He's saying, listen, every day you wake up, arm yourself with the armor of God. Like, don't walk out unprotected. He's saying every single day you have no idea because the enemy is going to attack when you least think it. And he says, so be prepared. And so what we want to do today is we want to prepare you. And I think before we move forward, I want to just talk to you a little bit about what are some of the symptoms. So let's look at this for strongholds. Maybe you're dealing with a stronghold and you don't realize it. But here are some of the symptoms, I think, that happen in our life when we are um, partaking in a stronghold. Here's the first one, and that is that a stronghold will steal our focus. So it'll, it'll steal our focus in such a way where we're mentally controlled and we're held captive by the things that we think about over and over again. Maybe it's an obsession with our addictions, with our habits, with our wounds, the way that we've been hurt by other people. It's like this, this, this film that plays over and over again in our mind. This is one of the symptoms of a stronghold that maybe takes place in your life. Here's another one, and that it can cause us to actually feel controlled. So we'll say things like, I can never do that, or I'll never amount to this, or I'm never going to break this, or whatever it is, you fill in the blank. And the truth is, is you may have been, you may have done in your life, but you are not the thing that you declare over yourself. And it's so important for us to hear this today. Because a lot of time, because of what we say, right? The proverb says, as a man thinketh, so he is. The things that we say and the things that we believe, we actually start to walk in and become. And so this is one of the symptoms of how we're actually controlled by a strong. And here's the next one, is that strongholds will consume our emotional energy. Maybe some of us are in the room today and you've been feeling increasingly hopeless, like there's no way out, and it just consumes your energy, and this is, this is what your focus is on, that you're feeling controlled by this, and you're feeling like you can never snap out of this. And really what the enemy's trying to do with the stronghold is he's trying to distract us from the purpose that God has set in motion for our life. Proverbs says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's God's purposes that actually will prevail. This is what the enemy is after robbing us of our purpose. And he does that so that he can rob us of the life that God has actually intended for us. And so today, what I want to do is say, this is like the, the understanding, okay, what is a stronghold? What does the Bible say about spiritual warfare? But I want to equip us with a few things today. I want to first talk about the three realities that we have to really believe and understand. I want to look at three weapons that we have at our disposal, and we're going to look at three different things that we can do every day. And if you add up the math, that is nine things. But we're going to fly through them, okay? Here's the first thing I want you to understand in the reality. This is something that, let me tell you, we're exposing the tactics and the schemes of the enemy. Here's the one thing, reality, that we have to understand as believers today, and that's this, and that the devil is real. Listen, church, it's not a metaphor. It's not a Sunday school story. He's not a man in a red jumpsuit, right, with a pitchfork and a red tail, okay? He wants us to think that. No, he's not. And the reason why I even put this on here. It's because there's a research that was done of American Christians that were asked this question, and it says that 60% of American Christians do not believe in a literal Satan. And I know this is a hard thing to talk about on a Sunday morning. I know it's like, man, go enjoy your Thanksgiving break, everybody. But I think it is so important for us to recognize and know that even if we don't believe he's not real, let me tell you, it doesn't mean that he's not. In fact, it even says here in 2 Corinthians, it says, and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of lights. And that's what he's doing. He's walking around trying to pretend that he's something that he's not. In fact, even in the Bible, you'll see this battle, this war that went on 
In the beginning of, of uh, Genesis, you'll see this battle that took place. They believe, scholars think it happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. And it was this battle that happened in the heavenly realms. There was these, only, these three angels that had names. It was Gabriel, Michael, and then one angel named Lucifer. And Gabriel was, was the angel who always brought messages to people, right? He's the one who spoke to, to Mary. And Michael was like the angel of prayer and warfare. And Lucifer was actually the one who worshipped. He worshipped God, right? He was the one who did worship. You know, the really cool, like a, a cool fact, right, about Lucifer and the fact that he fell and he, his job was never, ever occupied because who occupied his job, right? We did, right? We're the number one worshipers now. And so it says that there was this battle in heaven because Lucifer started to get obsessed with himself and he didn't want to worship God anymore. He wanted to worship himself. And it says in Isaiah 14 and actually Isaiah 28 that there was this moment when Lucifer wanted to praise himself. He got tired of worshiping God and God kicked him out of heaven and he became an unemployed cherub is what I would call him, right? And in Revelation, this is what it actually says. It says, then war broke out in heaven and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. So there was this actual war that took place, and the dragon's another word that's used for, for Satan or for the devil, and it says this is such an important line. The next thing it says is this, is that, but he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. So there was a fight, but he wasn't strong enough, and he was actually, it says here as it continues on, he, this great dragon was then hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And that is where he is, right? He's, his domain is on earth and, and he's here operating in such a way. And it's important for us to know that there is actually a devil and he has domain over the earth. It's not a metaphor. It is real. But here's the thing. Don't be afraid, but don't deny the reality of this truth. And here's the other reality, and that's this, is that the devil's goal is actually to destroy us. That his goal is actually to take out our purposes, the plans that God has for us, and the enemy. In fact, Jesus even says himself in John 10, it says that the thief has come only to steal and kill and destroy but he says, I have come to give life and life to the fullest. But this is the tactics of the enemy. And these are realities as a church that I think is so important for us to know and recognize. That the enemy is real and that his game plan is actually to destroy us. But here's the last reality that we have to know. And it's an important one. And that is that the devil responds to a higher authority. And this is important for us as Christians to grasp this understanding, which means that the enemy actually does have some power. We talked about that early on, right? There's some rulers and principalities and powers. But how many know that there is a name that is above every other name? And on that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess on earth and above the earth. Amen? And so this is what the reality is for us, is that even though the enemy seeks to destroy us, he responds to a higher power. In fact, John 1, 4, or 1 John 4 says it like this, that the one who is in you, come on, say it with me, is greater than the one who is in the world. And this is what you're being equipped with today. Recognizing and knowing that the same power that raised Christ from the dead now actually lives inside of you, church that you have access every day to the authority and the power that comes from the Lord to take out any schemes of the enemy. And so even though we know the enemy is a reality that we have to understand and that, that he does want to take out our purposes, the truth is this, is that we have power through Jesus Christ. So those are three realities. What I want to do is I want to give us three weapons that I believe we can use every single day of our life. And here's the first weapon that we had, and it is simply this. It is the name of Jesus. How many know that there's power in the name of Jesus? 
Let me tell you, sometimes we complicate this. But all you need to say at times is the name of Jesus and all their names have to bow to that name. Whatever that name is, whatever that thing is that you're facing, whatever the thing head on is like playing over and over and you're trying to reason with it, you're trying to white knuckle it, sometimes all you need to do is just say the name of Jesus over it because there's power in the name of Jesus. In fact, I remember even as a kid, I love that song, Speak the Name of Jesus. If you don't know that song, it's a great song that sometimes we sing in church. Charity Gill wrote it. Speak the name of Jesus over your families, over your circumstances. I could think as, as a kid, I used to go visit my grandparents in the summers, and I would wake up in the morning, and I would hear them. On, they're on their knees, and they're just speaking the name of Jesus over all of us grandboys. Like all, all my brothers, all the cousins, they're just saying the name of Jesus. They're pleading the blood of Jesus over our lives. And I believe that strongholds have been broken over our lives because I had grandparents that prayed over us and spoke the name of Jesus. Listen, don't discount the power that is in the name of Jesus. In fact, I love actually in Luke chapter 10, the, the disciples have returned back from a missionary journey and they're talking to Jesus and it says, 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And this is how Jesus replied. He goes, I know they do because I saw Satan fall like lightning in heaven. And he gives him this understanding and this idea that there's a name that's above every other name. And I even saw Satan himself during that war. He fell like lightning. And when you think about it, there really wasn't a battle at all. Like I know you can see all these battles of good versus evil like Star Wars. We're all the Star Wars fans in the room. Come on. There's got to be a few of you in here, right? You got the long credits, and then you got the, the big theme music, and then there's this long movie, and then you get credits, right? This battle in heaven was like, there was credits, there's a little bit of theme music, and then pow, boom, it was over, and it was done, and credits just roll at the end. And I, I love how, Jesus could have said, I saw Satan fall, but I love how Jesus says, listen, I saw him fall like lightning. Like, he has no power. In fact, I love how Philippians says it. It says, I have given you, or excuse me, Jesus continues on. He says, I've given you authority to trample on snake and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And Philippians says this, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Listen, there is power in the name of Jesus. And we have authority. And it's like, listen, it's like a state trooper pulling up behind you. Come on, while you're driving. If anybody else pulled up behind you and tried to like pull you over, he'd be like, who are you, Right? But, you know, you see those blue lights, and you, you see that state trooper in Virginia coming out, and they got that badge, they got that suit, right? And they start walking over to your car, and you're crying like a baby because you know you're busted. Just the other day, I was driving, and there was a lot of traffic. I think there might have been an accident or something up ahead, but this state trooper got behind me, and I'm all tensed up like this, right? I'm like, man, I don't know what to do, where to pull over at. I don't know if he's pulling me over, and he finally drives on past me. But here's the thing. Listen, you've got the name, You've got the badge right here. It's the name of Jesus. You have authority within his name. And so that's one of our weapons. Here's the next weapon I believe we have access to every day, and that is the blood of Jesus. It's the act of the cross was actually the ultimate defeat of the enemy. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, let me tell you, it is finished. He has defeated the enemy. He has rose again from the dead. And in fact, the enemy, it says in Revelation, is overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony that we have access every day. This is why we can actually enter into his throne room with boldness. And we can come and we can petition before the father. We have direct access to God. And the reason why we have direct access to God is not because of anything you've done or the way that you've lived your life. We have access to the father because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. How many believe that today, that we have access to the Father. 
because of what he has done. And so this is in our arsenal. These are things that we have. And so we have the name of Jesus. We have the blood of Jesus. And here's what else we have. We have the word of Jesus. We have the word of God. And when Jesus was actually fighting the enemy, right, himself, when he walked on earth, it says Jesus went into the desert. He was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights, right? You can see this, this narrative working out, even in Jesus' communication and connection with the evil one, right, with Satan. Even as you see in the garden in the beginning, you know, the serpent would say, well, did God really say to you, right? I mean, no, this is how the enemy works. He wants to get in the battlefield of our mind. He wants to put deception in there. He wants to put lies in there, things that are really not true. He'll even twist some things that God has said about you, like he did to Jesus, say, if you really are the son of God, prove it. And how did Jesus respond? Every single time, Jesus responded, and he defeated the enemy by what? By quoting scripture. He was prepared. He was in battle, right? He had that double-edged sword that we just looked at in Ephesians. He had the word of God. And I think it's so important, we see this in John, that Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And here's what the truth will do. The truth will set you free. And that is what it does. God has equipped us with his name. He's equipped us with his blood. And he also has equipped us with the word of God. And it's important that every day we are diving into that word. Let me tell you, this is a lifeline for your life. This is not something to mess around with. This is not something to take lightly. It's for us to recognize and know the more that we consume the word of God, the more that we are equipping ourselves for the battle that we're in every single day, regardless if we see it or not. The word of God equips us and prepares us. In fact, it also says this in John 17. It says, sanctify them by the truth, for your word is the truth. God's word will purify you. It will cleanse you. It will prepare you. It will get you ready. So these are the three realities, and these are the three weapons. And here's what I want to end with today, and that is this. I want to end with three things that we actually can do every single day of our life. And here's the first one that I believe we can do, and that's this is we can commit ourselves to God daily. Let me tell you, this is so important. It's like this picture of a father and mother in like a house. God is like the father and the mother, right? And, and as long as we're in that house, we're underneath that umbrella of authority, man, God, we, have, we are close to the general. And we're close to his authority. We're underneath that umbrella. But as soon as we step out, listen, this is not about heaven or hell. It's not about am I going to heaven or going to hell? No, sometimes what happens in our life is we say, you know what, I'm gonna do things my own way. I'm going to kind of approach this subject my own way. I'm going to respond the way that I want to. And what happens is we step underneath the, the umbrella of God, we start to get rained on, and we say, well, what happened there? When the truth is this, is really we haven't been submitting and committing ourselves to God on a daily basis. In fact, I wrote it down like this. Listen, your authority over the devil is only as strong as your relationship with God. I want you to hear that. Your authority over the devil is only as strong as your relationship with God. Why? Because when you're next to the general, let me tell you, no one can touch you. When you're next to the general, let me tell you, you're surrounded by colonels and lieutenants and all these things that you have access to, but you got to be in proximity of that general. And let me tell you, when the enemy comes around, he's not going to mess at all with that general. When we submit ourselves to God and we commit ourselves to him, there's this relationship and there's this thing that we have in that that we can't get outside of it. And in fact, I want to break down the scripture in James because I think it's so important. James says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But you know what happens a lot of times? We skip this first part, and we immediately go to resist the devil. So 
We've got these things we're wrestling through, these thoughts that we're trying to think about, these addictions, these habits, whatever they are, and we're going to white-knuckle them. You know, I'm going to resist the enemy. I'm going to try so hard. But how many know it's like trying to hold back a tidal wave? You can't. But when you do it in the right order and you get close to the general, you submit yourselves to him daily, man, when the enemy comes, he begins to infiltrate your thinking. He begins to speak things over your life that's not true. As soon as you resist him, you know what happens? He flees. And he's gone. We've got to submit ourselves and commit ourselves to the Lord. Here's the second thing we have to do every single day, and that is that we've got to learn to close any open doors that don't belong to be open anymore. Anything that's allowing maybe demonic activity to be a part of our lives and our house, we can't even leave a crack open. Listen, this is not about your security in heaven or hell. This is about while you're here on earth, you've got to say, Holy Spirit, show me. What are the areas in my life right now that I've left a little crack in the window open? What are the things that I need to make sure are airtight? How important it is for me to make sure I take inventory of my life? In fact, it even says in Ephesians this. It says, in your anger, do not sin. It says, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Listen, even in your anger, it says, and, and, the, and the thing and the conflict maybe that's happening in your life right now with someone else, he says, listen, don't let the sun go down on that, because you know what happens? The enemy will grab this little foothold. He'll be able to grab onto one little aspect, and he'll just anchor on in there, and he'll wait, and he'll camp out. And he'll let it simmer, and he'll let it continue to grow, and that crack will grow bigger and bigger. And so we say to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, show me. And when he shows you, say, Holy Spirit, change me. And when, you, when he changes, you say, Holy Spirit, fill me. And this is what he does. The Holy Spirit will show you the places in our life that need to be closed up. In fact, Ephesians goes on in Ephesians 5, and it says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose those things. And that's why... When we say, Holy Spirit, show us, he'll show us some things that maybe you don't even realize right now in your life needs to be closed up. Maybe we have to take an inventory of the things that we're looking at, the conversations we're engaging with, the things that we've allowed into our homes, into our lives, into our cars, and our workplaces. doesn't mean that these things are necessarily bad things, but maybe the Holy Spirit's saying, you know what, I want you to close that door right now on that relationship. I want you to close the door on that thing that you've been looking at. I want you to close the door on these things. And he's doing it because he knows that if there's a little crack open, the enemy will come in and he'll put a foothold where he doesn't belong. So we say we have to submit ourselves to God. We say we got to close any open door. And here's the last thing that we have to do. And that is that we have to confront the enemy in prayer. Every single day we confront the enemy. It doesn't have to be loud. It just has to be active, right? Christianity isn't passive, it's active, and we aren't just on the defense, we get to be on the offense. How many believe and know that we have victory in Jesus' name, amen? We get to actually live, listen, we get to live on the offense. This, there's aspects of our armor that are defensive, right? We talked about, but man, the word of God, it's not just your quiet time, devotional time. Let me tell you, the word of God is actually a sword in your hand that you can use every single day. Think about the ways, the thoughts, the lies of the enemy. So every day we wake up and we say, God, show me. God, I want to submit myself to you. God, open up my eyes and my understanding of how to pray this morning and know that God will equip you with what you need. In fact, you think about it this way. If somebody had intel right now, the Bible is telling us there's warnings all throughout Scripture, right? All throughout Scripture we have these warnings. But it, if somebody had intel for you personally right now and said, hey, tonight someone's going to come to your house and they're going to rob you of everything. Tonight, this is the night, today. They're coming to your house, they're going to rob you of everything, they're going to steal everything. 
Well, how many of you want to go to sleep tonight, right? You'd probably stay awake. You'd probably be on your porch, right? Sitting in a chair with your two friends, Smith and Weston, right next to you, right? Come on. You're going to, just be, re- you're going to be ready for battle. You're like, I'm not going to just fall asleep. Well, here's what it says right here. You see in 1 Peter, it says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in faith. He's like a lion who is waiting. And it's not a run for your life. Here comes the lion. Man, it's a stand firm on the truth of God, on the blood of Jesus, and in the name of Jesus. I can stand firm against any schemes that come my way. And I want you to know today, church, that God is equipping you for this. I know talking about spiritual warfare, and I know it was on your ask for it in the series that we've been doing now, but it was also in the survey, and people wrote it down. I think it's important, and I know it's not a topic we always talk about. In fact, there's this book that I read years ago um, by a guy named C.S. Lewis. It was called Screwtape Letters. If you ever want to read that book, it's a fictional understanding of actually how two uh, demonic demons were actually talking with each other of how they could trip up the person they were assigned to, the Christian they were assigned to. And actually, if you read a little bit on this book C.S. Lewis wrote, at the end of it, he talked about how this is the only book he's ever written where he almost couldn't finish it. And how in the middle of the book, it was so heavy in his life to actually finish this book that he paused for, I think it was six or so months. And then he picked it back up and he finished the book. And he says, I know how important this book was because the enemy did not want me to finish this. I want you to know today we are exposing the lies of the enemy and we're replacing them with truth. Amen. God has spoken things over your life today and you get to walk out of this place. You get to leave in freedom. You get to know that no weapon formed against you shall ever prosper. The same God that raised Christ from the dead now lives inside of you and greater is he within us than he that is in the world. Come on. Would you stand with me today? Would you stand? We're going to pray. I'd love to pray over your families today. I'd love to pray over you today. I really feel like God is working in your hearts. He's been doing it all day long as we're exposing the lies of the enemy, and we're going to leave this place in worship and praise. So would you just lift your hands right now? We're going to speak the name of Jesus. Come on, would you do that over your families, over your circumstances, whatever they are? God, we bring them to you, Jesus. We recognize, God, that there's an enemy that's masquerading as an angel of light, but God, we call out those lies today, Father. We recognize and know that we can speak the name of Jesus over our kids, over our families, over our marriages, God, over our circumstances right now. And that, God, there's power in your blood, Father, and that the word of God will be on our lips. God, we lift up every single family right now, God, even as we step into Thanksgiving this week, that, God, they would have one of the greatest weeks they've ever had, God, because they're going to walk in it with freedom. These ropes that we may see that are attached to our feet. God, today we shake them off and we break them off of us today, God. We replace lies with truth today and we give you all the praise and the glory and all the honor, God, and we worship you, Jesus, because you're worthy of it all, God.